Good morning, good morning everyone. Again, my name is Andrea Best, and um, here I serve as the Women's Ministry Coordinator, as Mandy just said. I also serve on the worship team and the prayer ministry team. I wanna welcome you all here in the building. I'm just excited to see everyone's faces. I don't think it ever gets old to just see people here smiling back at me. Um, and I just wanna give a warm welcome to our online audience, whether you're watching live or later. Thank you and welcome. So you all, a couple of weeks ago, we got an evaluation for, from a speech therapist for our 21-month-old. Um, my husband and I, we had a few concerns about her speech because she was able to imitate or repeat words for us, but she wasn't doing that spontaneous speech like the, um, the therapist told us that she should be doing. So, for example, if she saw a ball, she wouldn't say ball. But if I said, Rayma, can you say ball? She would say ball just fine. So the therapist, she came to our house and she just watched Rayma interact with us. She kind of just took some notes and then at the end, she had some recommendations for us. And so the first thing she mentioned was that Rayma had the perfect examples of communication around her, right? So her brother and sister did a lot of talking to her and around her. And then we did a lot of talking to and around her as well. And so this provided her with a good groundwork that she needed for good communication. The second thing she noticed was that Rayma had developed her own way of communicating. And so she learned to grunt or to point to get what she needed or to tell us what she wanted. And then the third thing that she mentioned was that because she had developed her own way of communicating, it could be hindering her from communicating in a way that was helpful or effective to her and for us. And so she gave us some tools that we could use to lead her to that constant, spontaneous speech. But most importantly, hopefully those tools would build some solid foundational communication skills, right? Now, I can't really help but to connect Rayma's speech and her ability to communicate with us and our prayer lives and the way we communicate with God. We literally have the perfect example of what communication with the Father looks like. Jesus set that beautiful example. The Bible shows us that Jesus prayed regularly. <laughs> so Jesus was in constant communication with the Father. Thank you, Pastor Gina. <laughs> Jesus was in this constant communication with the Father. He prayed when there were decisions to be made. The Bible tells us in Luke that Jesus spent all night praying to God before he chose the 12 disciples. He was praying when he was baptized, it says in Luke 3. Jesus prayed for children. He prayed before meals. He was praying after healing people. And then it says in Luke 5, he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So if we have such a perfect example of prayer, why is it that prayer is such a struggle for some of us? Or prayer is sometimes the last thing we do? Well, in the same way my daughter over time developed her own way of communicating with us, I think there are certain habits and routines and ways of thinking about prayer that have become normal for us. But like her, these formed habits could be the things keeping us from growing in our prayer lives. One of those thinking, those ways of thinking about prayer 
could actually be the view of prayer itself. I've been mentioning prayer in terms of communication with God. And while it is that, simply a conversation between you and the Father, it's not only communication, it's also communion with the Father. It's fellowship. It's just spending time with the Lord because that's what we do with people we love, right? And sometimes I feel like that communion aspect of prayer gets lost. We can start treating God like a vending machine. I've heard it said a couple times. So that means you, you go to God, you ask for something, and then you expect to get exactly what you want right then and there. I give, you, you give back to me, and it's, it's like, fortunately for us, God is not a vending machine, and prayer is much more than that. Thank the Lord. But that way of thinking can hinder us. It can hinder our connection with the Lord. Earlier in my faith walk, I used to think other people's prayers were more powerful than mine. So if I wanted to pray, I always felt like somebody else had to go to God for me. Like, oh, you sound a lot better when you pray. Could you pray for me? Or you, you sound like you have the right words. So could you pray for me? Could you go to God on my behalf? You know, I was in this habit, this habit that I formed that it just began to impede on my connection and my communication with the Lord. Other formed habits could be only praying when you need something or only praying right quick before you eat. It could be not praying at all. Prayer may not be something that you're comfortable or familiar with. Maybe it's just not something that you've done. Maybe you don't see the value in praying. These habits, and I'm sure there are a host of them, can develop over time. But not taking the time to evaluate or even reevaluate our prayer lives could leave us feeling distant from the one that we should be feeling closest to. And so I have the privilege of closing out the sermon series we've been in for the past few weeks. In a series we're calling Start Here, we've been encouraging you to take a look at where and how you're starting your year. In the first week of the series, Pastor Gino shared the importance of running your own race. Keeping our eyes focused on Jesus is a major way to do that. And prayer helps us to keep our focus on Jesus. A couple weeks ago, Lauren told us that prayer is one important way we consistently remain connected to Jesus. And so in a series where we're encouraging you to start here, starting with your eyes on Jesus is a really great place to start, right? And so I'm going to echo that prayer is a vital way to do that. But what does that really look like? Well, first I'll say that Prayer is a spiritual discipline that we have to work on. You know, I believe it takes discipline. It takes work to build a consistent prayer life. But I also believe that the foundation of our prayer life should be solid. You know, we should be building them on some qualities that'll help us grow closer to the Lord instead of checking a box because we've told you that prayer is important. There's one moment in Jesus's life that always strikes me when I read it. And when I think about building a solid foundation for consistent communion and constant prayer, this moment of prayer between Jesus and the Father beautifully lays it out for me. And so I'm calling this message the perfect example. 
If we want to know what patience looks like, we can look at Jesus. If we want to know what being a servant leader means, we just have to look at the life of Jesus. And learning what quality prayer with the Father looks like is no different. Jesus models for us what a deep, dependent relationship through prayer looks like. And so today we're going to be looking at Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. We're going to be in Matthew 26, verses 36 through 44. This moment of prayer comes just before Jesus is betrayed and then soon after crucified. We have paper Bibles on the end of each row if you want to engage with the text with those, but you can also read along with me on your devices or we'll be putting the words up on the screen as well. Before I get into the text though, I want to pause and pray. Oh, Father God, before I move too quickly from this moment of prayer to the next part of the sermon, Lord, I just want to pause because prayer is so much more than stopping real quick. God is really soaking you in, Lord. It's really receiving what you have for us in this moment, God. And so whatever it is that we are coming to this moment of prayer with, Lord, we receive, we receive what it is that you have for us, God. God, I pray that the words that you have for me to speak today would just land on the hearts in the ways that you want them to, God. Move me out of the way, Lord, and just use me, Father. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, I pray. And so starting at verse 36, it says, Then Jesus went to, with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Now, Jesus shows us some real foundational qualities during this moment of prayer that I think we can lean into if we want to build a rich prayer life. And so I'm going to give you a few things I notice Jesus showing up with in prayer. First, I see him showing up with humility. In order to build this deeper relationship with God through prayer, we have to be humble. When Jesus enters this moment of prayer, look at his posture. Verse 39 says, he bowed with his face to the ground. The Amplified Version says, he fell face down and prayed. This physical act of bowing or being face down shows this gesture of submission. 
Humility comes with this willingness to submit our own knowledge and our own thoughts on how things should be. We should be yielding our own will when we submit. So you all, recently, I took an interest in college football. Now, with the help of my husband, I've been learning some of the rules, the very basic ones at this point. And one of the things I wanted to know was who called the shots? It was like, who called the plays in the game? I always thought it was to be the quarterback, you know, the one that we can see throwing the ball. But my husband explained that it's actually the offensive coordinator. He's the one in charge of the game plan. And he's actually not even on the field. He's high up in the skybox. The only time the quarterback can call the play is if he calls something called an audible. And so the quarterback can choose to call the play he wants, but the offensive coordinator has the full game plan, right? Now, throughout the game, the quarterback has to be willing to submit to the authority of the offensive coordinator. And so when I'm taking a look at this in Jesus' submission in this moment, when he bows in prayer, I think he is willingly taking this posture of submission that says, I could call an audible right now. Like, I could just say, I see what's going on down here. But he's laying it down for the one who sits high up in heaven. Prayer should start with us humbling ourselves before the God of all creation. It's in Jesus' humility that I think we get a real good look at his humanity in this moment. Jesus was fully God, but he was also human in the fullest possible sense. God in the flesh. But he shows up with this quality that I think it's hard for us to show up with in prayer. He shows up with honesty. He comes to the Father with this real, honest question. He wants to know, is there any other way? He says, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Jesus is saying, could this punishment for everyone's sins, everyone's wrongs, everyone's mistakes, could that be absorbed any other way? I think sometimes there's this fear of asking God hard, honest questions. You know the questions that may make us look like we have less faith than we want to have? I feel like there's this stigma that if we tell God what's really on our minds, he'll maybe turn his nose up at us or think less of us because of our honesty. But Philippians 4 reminds us to pray about everything. And when I read that, I think everything means everything. That's the hard stuff, that's the ugly stuff, that's everything. Because God is actually the one who can take the hard stuff. He doesn't get angry or annoyed with us asking him hard, tough questions or with being honest with him. Because Jesus is no stranger to hard stuff. And so if we're looking for someone who understands, who gets it, who will listen, I recommend going to God and just being honest. I also think sometimes there's this thought that God just doesn't care about what's on our hearts and minds. 
So it's more comfortable to just stick to those surface level prayers. Never tell God what's really going on. But can I let you all in on something? Or maybe just remind you of something? God already knows. He already sees the questions you have. He sees the hard things that you want to bring to him, but are maybe too afraid or too full of shame or even embarrassed to. But it says in Psalm 139, you know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. And so he not only hears and knows these honest prayers already, but he cares. He wants us to give him our worries and our cares because he cares, it says in 1 Peter. When we go to God in prayer, let's start being honest and bringing it all to him. Just lay it all out. I think humility and honesty go hand in hand because we're bringing our honest prayers before the Lord and saying, Lord, I don't have the answer. You do. We're saying, Lord, your plan is better than mine. Bringing those honest prayers before God shows us that we trust him. Because he may answer those prayers much differently than I or you would expect him to. But because he's a good, good father, we can trust his will and his plans. Being humble and honest in our prayer lives are are solid places to start. Why? Because Jesus was. And he's the perfect example. You know, it makes me chuckle sometimes when I look at how Jesus went back to the Father time and time again during this moment of praying. I think it makes me laugh because it points out my own faulty ways of thinking and my faulty habits of thinking about prayer too. Thinking that my prayer should be answered immediately or that God should speak instantly. The text shows us that Jesus started in prayer, he went and talked to the disciples, then he went back to praying, and then he talked to the disciples again, and then went back to praying. We see this constant pursuit of the Father. I think this passage is also showing us that prayer takes persistence. Persistence in prayer, it makes me think of when I do scavenger hunts around the neighborhood with my kids. So when it's warm out, we like to take walks and do these scavenger hunts. So I bring our list with us and then they have to find the different things listed. But sometimes we have to walk quite a long while or they won't find everything on the list, right? So we can't just walk around our cul-de-sac. We got to go around the neighborhood. But if we keep walking, we'll eventually get everything we need. So by the time we get home, we picked up all these things, rocks, leaves, nutshells, everything. (laughs) And so when I'm thinking about prayer, the communication and and communion with God, I think I start to focus less on why my prayer isn't being answered immediately, and I start to see more of what I'm picking up along the way. Just this week, I saw this in my own life. So for the past few years, I've been going to therapy for a very specific phobia. I've been doing a lot of work on renewing my mind and refocusing my thoughts and reconditioning my brain and my body to respond differently. But honestly, I didn't really know if all this stuff was working. 
because I hadn't encountered the thing that I was actually scared of. Sometimes I was even on the brink of just not going to therapy anymore because I'm like, I don't feel like anything is happening. But all this week, I came face to face with the phobia. And I'm actually looking out and I see people who know and I'm like, thank you, thank you for praying in that moment. (laughs) But what I realized was that while I felt like nothing was happening over the years, I was simply picking up things along the way. And so I was in that moment this week saying, Lord, I am safe. I was doing some deep breathing, letting the peace of God come over me. I've been getting all the things I needed along the way, even though it felt like nothing was happening. So persistence in prayer is not just about getting that one thing. It's about saying, Lord, what do you have for me along the way? And I want to pause here because I think the communion piece, the time that we spend with God, that's where all of this is cultivated. Because when you're spending time with the Lord, when you're spending time in his word, you get an opportunity to learn the character of God, what things God would say, what he wouldn't say. And so when life hits, when an unexpected call comes, when an unexpected diagnosis comes, the truth of God's word, what he really would say, that comes up. So I just want to reiterate, that communion piece is everything, y'all. I wonder what Jesus was picking up every time he walked back into that prayer session with the Father. Was it more peace about what was to come? Was it reassurance that this plan was indeed the best plan? Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, he says, never stop praying. And I, I think when we cease to pray, we miss out on the beautiful opportunity we have to commune with God. You know, without an agenda, without a list, we just spend time with him. The bonus is being blessed with those answered prayers. And honestly, I actually think the disciples, the three disciples, they give us a glimpse into the opposite of what persistence looks like. So Jesus gives us what to do, and they kind of give us what not to do. Jesus asked them, you couldn't watch with me for even one hour? All he asked them to do was watch and pray. He said to them, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. I like the way the message version says this, this part of the verse. It says, there is a part of you that is eager, ready for anything in God. But there's another part that's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. (laughs) Kind of sounds like something my grandma would say too. (laughs) Jesus saw their humanness in this moment, but he still urged them to push past how they were feeling and pray. Now, before I get too judgy of the disciples, before I laugh a little too loud at their shortcomings, how many of us can identify with them? I know I can. Now, it may look a little different for us, but I can 
can identify with knowing that on some days, I just need to get up early. I need to get up early and I need to pray and spend time with the Lord. But instead, I choose sleep. Or knowing that for a fact that when I pray first, God gives me his peace. But sometimes, I just choose to shift my focus from my anchor point, Jesus, and I choose to worry instead of pray. I think we can look at this moment with the disciples and see that we, we have to keep this posture of prayer no matter what. Because one, we could be picking up things along the way that we can use now and later. And two, because Jesus did it. Jesus was persistent in prayer. And Jesus is the perfect example for what our prayer life should look like. And so we should be showing up in prayer with humility. We should be showing up with honesty and persistence in prayer is major. But we all know how the story ends. Jesus was crucified. He died a gruesome, painful, unthinkable death. Why? Because it was the will of his father. And so lastly, I feel like this moment of prayer is showing me that obedience is everything. If we want to build abundant prayer lives, we have to be obedient. Because if we're walking away from prayer filled enough just for us, I think we might be missing something. I believe time with the Lord always prompts me to do something, whether it's serve my family in a new way or choose to rest instead of busying myself with stuff. Or maybe it's refocusing my negative thoughts when, refocusing my mind when those negative thoughts try to come in. Oftentimes, I walk away from my prayer time prompted to be a little more like Jesus. But that requires obedience because I actually have to do it. James tells us in the Bible that we shouldn't just listen to God's word. We have to do what it says. God will bless us for our obedience. After leaving this moment of prayer, Jesus walked in obedience. It was the Father's will for Jesus to die this gruesome death that he did. It was the Father's will that Jesus take on the punishment for all of your mistakes, all of my wrongs, all of our sins. It was in Christ's obedience that we have the opportunity to have eternal life. It was in Christ's obedience that we have the opportunity to have eternal life. We can be assured that no matter what life throws at us, because of Jesus' obedience, our sins are forgiven. Can you imagine if Jesus didn't walk in obedience after this moment with the Father in prayer? I mean, that changes everything for you, for me, for this world. Obedience is everything. Jesus was obedient to this plan that wasn't filled with roses and flowers and confetti. 
A part of this plan, plan was painful to the point of death. But I feel like his obedience shows me that he had the reward in mind. He remembered the reward. And I think that's a good place to be when you feel like your obedience to the Lord has you in pain or feeling alone. We have to remember the reward. We should be using Jesus as the example in our prayer lives. And in this moment of prayer alone, he shows us that humility is the starting point of communication and communion with the Father. Laying your own will aside and submitting it to the authority of the Lord. Jesus also shows us that honesty in prayer is so important. That honesty shows us how much God is for us. Because he doesn't run away from our honesty. He runs to it. Jesus shows us that persistence in prayer is where the connection is. The more time we spend with God, the more we seek his face, the more we're connected to his will. And lastly, Jesus shows us that obedience is everything. Without obedience, where would we be? And when we want to question that obedience, we got to remember the reward. But like I mentioned before, prayer is a discipline. Jesus even said the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And so we have to do things to be sure we're setting ourselves up for success, right? I think we have to make space for a couple things that'll help us in our prayer lives. First, I think we have to make space for others. I'm always struck by the fact that Jesus brought Peter, James, and John with him. This lets me know that no matter what's happening in my life, community is so important. And I know we drill that down here a lot, but Jesus had community. We have to have people close to us to cover us in prayer, to support us in prayer, to pray for us, to pray with us, to be watching and praying. I'm grateful that I have people to text at moments time to say, hey, can you pray for me? I'm, I'm feeling a little bit anxious right now. And I can trust that they'll pray. I wanna ask you all, can you say that you have at least one or two people in your life that you can express those soul crying prayers with? Because if not, 2023 may be the year where you make space for that. When Jesus and the three disciples went to the garden, it says he told them to stay here and watch with me. Then he went on a little farther. He brought his community with him, but he also knew how important it was to get by himself with the Father. And so secondly, we have to make space for alone time. And as a wife and a mom of three, I actually kind of rolled my eyes at myself when I said that. Because sometimes that seems impossible. But I think over the years, I've had to let go of what my idea of alone time looks like. 
It's not always an hour in the morning in my prayer space with a cup of tea and my Bible and my journal. It's actually rarely that these days. But God has been showing me that right now it's really quality over quantity. And while I do have to make an effort, I can have a long time in my car after my kids have fallen asleep on a long ride home. I just sit in the garage and I, that's where I have my alone time. <laughs> I think we just have to stop looking for the perfect setup and just use what we have. And so if God's giving you a 15 minute drive to the office, maybe consider using five to 10 of those minutes for alone time. Making space for a long time allows us to escape the noise and the chaos and spend time in the peace and presence of God. And then regularly making space for a long time puts us in this constant rotation of peace in the presence of God. When I was growing up, I always heard people say that prayer was just like talking to a friend. And I do think that's a helpful way to describe it. But some of my close friends, and especially my family, know that I can be chatty sometimes. Sometimes you can't really get a word in. And I see that us being that way with God sometimes. We are always doing a lot of the talking. So let's make space for God to speak. Let's do like we tell the kids, let's practice listening. Because I think the more you practice listening, the more you'll see and hear and feel God speaking everywhere you go. God speaks to me through his word, through my children, in the grocery store when I'm just trying to mind my own business. We gotta let, start letting God speak. Let him get a word in. Because prayer is a conversation, but it's a two-way conversation. And worship team, if you want to make, you guys want to make your way back up here. So, as we evaluate or re-evaluate our prayer lives, let's consider what habits or routines we may have to let go of. Then just ask yourself, am I being humble? Am I being honest with the Lord? Like, am I, am I really telling them what's going on with me? Am I praying with persistence in this constant pursuit of the Father? And finally, am I being obedient to what God is saying? And so whether you're an avid prayer, a sometimes prayer, or if this is your first time praying, I want to give us all the opportunity to just practice listening right now. And I'm just gonna tell you up front, it may feel a little awkward. It's gonna be silent. There won't be any music playing at the beginning, but I wanna give God an opportunity to speak to us. I feel like it's less about learning to pray the right way and just more about engaging in an intimate conversation with the Father. I wanna make space for God to speak right now. And so if you feel distracted, don't try to run away from those distractions. Let, let, just let God meet you right there. 
with whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind. Let's just sit and practice listening. So after we practice listening, the worship team is going to come up. Well, they're going to start and lead us in a final song, and then we'll be back for ministry prayer, which is the time where you can bring someone alongside of you. And so come Holy Spirit, join me as we practice listening.